0: Thank you for joining us for another Thursdays with Trey, uh, which, of course, is the time when we get your questions. And in the interest of full disclosure, um, I was out of the country for a couple of days and quite a bit happened while I was out of the country. So depending on your perspective, I should either leave the country more often or I should never leave it again. But quite a bit happened, which I am certain will be reflected in the questions to come. Uh, in the weeks to come. So got any questions about what happened, uh, whether it's uh, the Dobbs decision, a January 6th hearing, there was a Second Amendment case that came out. Uh, those are three things I remember that happened while I was overseas, but there may be more. So you got questions? I don't mean I have the answers, but you're welcome to fire away. But that's in the future for now. Uh, Mary Langston, hopefully there were some questions that came in while I was gone.
1: Yes, sir. We have plenty of questions so we can get started quickly, but thank you for having me, Trey. Have you had a good week?
0: Uh, so far, so good. How about you?
1: A great week. Um, lots to look forward to, um, but we'll go ahead and get started if that's okay with you, since we have sure. a lot of good questions from our listeners.
0: That sounds great.
1: Okay, wonderful. Well, our first question comes from Eddie, actually in South Carolina. And he writes, how can Congress, the legislative branch, create committees and hold court? Isn't the judicial branch's job to investigate whether a crime has been committed?
0: Eddie from the great state of South Carolina. Great question. Um, I'll answer it a couple of different ways. I'm going to amend your second question. Uh, It is definitely not the judicial branch's job to investigate whether a crime has been committed. That is done by the executive branch. So I'm going to, in my head, kind of amend that. Isn't it the executive branch's job? If, if you'll remember, but the main thing we ask the president to do in the Constitution and the president is the head of the executive branch is to faithfully execute the law. So can Congress, the legislative branch, create committees and hold court or is it the job of the executive branch to investigate whether crime has been committed. All right, for Congress, yep, yeah, they can definitely create committees because they control their own branch of government. As you recall from uh, civics a long, long time ago, we have three branches. The legislative branch is the author and definer of uh, of their branch and how they can do what they're supposed to do. So where do committees and investigations help? They help apportion resources. They help as you want to draft legislation to investigate whether certain laws need to be amended, improved, enhanced, or deleted. And, you know, the little short time I was up the road, I was on committees that did all four of those things. Does the law need to be amended? Does it need to be written because there's a void? Does it need to be uh, deleted? Congress cannot and does not hold court. And the number one question I got at Publix grocery store on Saturday mornings when I was in my old job was, why is X not in jail? Why has Congress not put X in jail? And you can fill in the X with whoever they were mad at at that point. And my answer was always the same. That was my old job. Prosecutors and cops and juries and judges put people in jail. Congress does not. Congress cannot and does not put anyone in jail. They don't have the power to do it. So Congress cannot and does not hold court, uh, to use the word that Eddie inquired about specifically. Congress cannot and does not hold, quote, court. These hearings are not court. Congressional hearings do not result in charges or indictments or sentences. I mean, not to put you know, to find a point on it, but your local Rotary Club is welcome to form a committee to, quote, investigate crime. Your local Kiwanis Club or Garden Club or Bridge Club or Sunday School class is welcome to form a committee to figure out who kidnapped Charles Lindbergh's child or who committed this crime or that crime. You can do it all day long if you want to. It has absolutely no impact on anything because you have no power and no authority, but you can do it. Congress can look at what they want to look at, and they can make it seem like a trial, and they can use legal words, but it does not matter one iota. It is the executive branch's job to decide whether to initiate a criminal investigation, and Congress does not get to decide that. Yeah, I had a really hard time convincing a couple of my GOP colleagues of that while I was there. And now some Democrats are having a really hard time grasping that, too. But Congress and members of Congress do not and cannot and will never be able to put a single solitary person in jail for a single solitary thing. So I guess that they want it to seem like court. But if you watch the January 6th hearings and then compare that to actually being in a court, What are the differences? Well, number one, there's no judge in a congressional committee hearing. There's no judge up there calling balls and strikes or saying that question is out of order or applying the rules of hearsay. I mean, we have rules in court. You can't testify to what somebody else told you with limited exceptions. That's all they do in Congress. That is all those witnesses do. It's called hearsay. There are a ton of exceptions to the hearsay rule. But as a general rule, you have to have firsthand knowledge. Did you see it? Did you hear it? Did you taste it? Did you feel it? So they may have it look like court, but it ain't court.
1: Well, thank you so much, Trey. And thank you, Eddie, for your question. Our next question is from Henry in Alabama, and this also follows the news, Trey. He writes, Democrats are saying they're pushing to codify Roe versus Wade. By passing federal law by making abortion legal nationwide. He says, I'm confused. Didn't the Supreme Court just rule the state's decision? Wouldn't a federal law be unconstitutional?
0: Well, Henry from the great state of Alabama, be confused no more. I assume what they mean by that is a federal law would be necessary for the District of Columbia because the District of Columbia is not a state. Um, and military bases within states or other federal lands. Uh, What the Supreme Court held is there is no constitutional right to abortion to be found in the Constitution. Constitutional right. So the parameters of whatever life or privacy interest a state legislative body finds and sets is up to that state. But D.C. is not a state. Uh, D.C. is controlled by the federal government, and so are other federal lands, and so are military bases. So that's how I interpret that. Um, There's also the question of who is the final arbiter of what is and is not constitutional. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to get too deep down in the weeds here. Mm -hmm. Most people believe that the court is the final arbiter of what is um, or is not constitutional. But there have been conservatives in the past who argued the court is not the final arbiter. The court said X is unconstitutional, but Congress has the right to say, yes, it is. So that's a very nuanced debate. We'll save it for another day. Mm. Uh, My point is, you know, because I enjoy irony so much, (laughs) um, it is ironic to say the least how some people's positions on issues change depending on whether or not they like the outcome. Some conservatives and liberals think the court is the final arbiter of something. If they like the outcome, some conservatives and liberals do not think the court is the final arbiter of whether something is constitutional, if they don't like the outcome. Mm -hmm. And I'm such a simple minded person. I just like having one set of rules.
1: Well, thank you, Trey. And thank you, Henry, for your question. We'll answer more of your questions when we come back.
0: Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table, the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts.
1: Our next question is from Fred in Texas, and he asked, please ask Trey where prosecutorial discretion comes from. Congress and legislatures make laws. How can a prosecutor get away with ignoring laws without any consequences? Doesn't refusing to prosecute make them accessories to the original crime?
0: Oh, Fred, what a what a great question. Uh, that's a topic I love, the whole idea of prosecutorial discretion and contrasting that with the wholesale refusal to enforce certain laws. Mm. Um, and again, there's a little nuance there. Uh, Brett Kavanaugh, actually, when he was on the D.C. Court of Appeals, wrote a decision on this whole thing we call prosecutorial discretion. You may want to go pull it up. There aren't that many cases on it. The the power to enforce the law belongs to the executive branch, period. But we need to look at an example to see why. So let's say a crime has been committed. We'll say a crime has been committed in my home town of Spartanburg. Police think they have the right person, but they're not sure. Mm. So, do they have to make an arrest? I mean, are are you going to prosecute it? Can you make a prosecutor prosecute a case if they're fifty-one percent sure the person did it or sixty-two percent? Because to get a conviction, you got to be about ninety-five percent sure. Mm-hmm. Do we have some, you know, DA or federal prosecutor that has to decide? Whether we have the right person, the right charge is evidence sufficient. Congress does not get to decide that. Judges don't get to decide that initially. So the discretion comes from the fact that the person exercising the discretion is the person who has to prove the case. So we have a crime that takes place in South Carolina. We we, we had a homicide that happened, I think it was 1995. So for 10 years, the police were looking for the right person. Mm-hmm. And they had some evidence against some people, but the prosecution, and actually, to be honest with you, the cops also mm-hmm. agreed, we don't have enough yet. Does so, I mean, at some point, somebody can say, well, you got to go with what you got. I mean, can, can our, the South Carolina general assembly say, hey, look, it's been 10 years, this crime's unsolved. Uh, you got a couple of suspects, pick one and go. No, that is not the legislative body's, job. One other example, we had this we had this idea in South Carolina because we struggle with the issue of domestic or interpersonal violence. We, we're almost always in the top 10 in men hurting or killing women. So the legislature decided or someone decided we're going to have a no drop policy, cannot drop any domestic violence cases, which means the police show up during a domestic dispute, make an arrest. You have to go forward, cannot dismiss the case. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, sometimes the police arrest both the man and the woman. Mm. So if I have to go forward, who do I go forward against? Do I have to go forward against both? Because the only witness I have against the man is the woman. And I can't call her as a witness because she's also a defendant. And the only witness I have against the woman is the man. And I can't go forward because I can't call him because he's also a defendant and has a fifth amendment right not to testify. So I think what frustrates what frustrates people and what probably is frustrating, Fred, are these prosecutors that decide I think marijuana should be legal. I'm not going to prosecute any marijuana cases. I'm with you. That is not their job to decide that. But that does not make them an accessory to the crime. What it means is you need a new prosecutor. You either got to get rid of that one, like they recall the DA in San Fran or you got to get them out the next election. But to say, you're going to make somebody go forward on a case when I was the district attorney, how can you make me go forward on a case that I cannot win? Mm -hmm. How can you make me go forward on a case where I think I have the wrong person? I think the police have arrested the wrong person. So there's discretion. I mean, the president has to d- discretion. Somebody commits a, an act of terrorism against the United States. The president gets to decide when to respond, how to respond, and the manner in which to respond. We have something terrible happen in the United States. Congress gets to decide whether to pass a law to deal with it, whether to amend an existing law or whether to hope it never happens again. Mm executive branch, a crime is committed. It is the cops and the prosecutor that decide whether or not they have enough evidence. I get the frustration. Trust me, I get it. When I see DA saying, I don't believe drugs should be criminal. Therefore I'm not going forward. Uh, Okay. Well then who is? you, You can't get Joe blow off the street to go prosecute a case. He or she doesn't have the power to do that. That is power that is vested in the executive branch. So when you think of prosecutorial discretion, you need to think of the difference between the wholesale decision to ignore certain categories of law, which is wrong, and it's anarchy, or the the nuanced discretion that you give prosecutors to say, you know what, you have an okay case, but I can't win it. I cannot convince 12 people beyond a reasonable doubt that this person committed this offense. And and since we have double jeopardy and if I go forward and lose, I can't ever go forward again. I'm not going forward. That is discretion. Mm-hmm. And it's exercised every day, all day by prosecutors. Me deciding that I'm OK with people shoplifting. Therefore, I'm not going to prosecute any shoplifters. Uh, that is anarchy. Mm-hmm. That is not prosecutorial discretion. And we got to be able to distinguish and differentiate between the two.
1: Well, thank you, Trey. And thank you, Fred, for your thoughtful question. Our last question is from Bob in Tennessee. He writes, what are the standards for asking questions of a witness during the House hearings? There seems to be a lot of leading questions and very little adherence to evidence standards.
0: All right, Bob, this is the best way I think I can get you to do this. I want you to take your left hand. I want you to take your index finger and your middle finger of your left hand, and I want you to put it on your right wrist. And I want you to see if you can feel a pulse. And if you can feel a pulse, then you can ask a question during a congressional House hearing. (laughs) There is no standard. For asking questions, some of the dumbest questions I have heard in my life, and I've heard a lot of them, have come during congressional hearings. But it goes back to question number one. It's not a court proceeding. It's a made for tele. I mean, you stop and think you get five, mem- five minutes as a member of Congress to ask questions. What mystery of the world can you unlock in five minutes? What point can you make in five minutes? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're in court. You have an important witness. You can, in theory, spend five days with that witness. There's no artificial time limit. I mean, every now and again, the judge will start muttering under his or her breath or, you know, on a break, say, how much longer do you have? But there's no time limit. Congressional hearings, you get five minutes. The questions are terrible. Terrible. We have this objection called relevance in court where it you know has to somehow be connected to the case, not in Congress. I mean, I remember sitting in one congressional hearing and there was this member that asked about, you know, what is it's not you know, sailing away to Key Largo, a song. So I put it up on my, on my phone so my colleagues could listen to it. It had no relevance to anything. Mm. He, he, I mean, my might have, may as well have asked a question about riding a purple tricycle on the surface of the moon. It had no relevance to anything, but you get to spend your five minutes the way you want. So what is the standard for asking questions of a witness in a house hearing? Are you a member of Congress? Do you have a faint pulse? Can you pass not an IQ test, but an eye test. Can you see the big E? And if you can't see the big E, just know that it's a big E up at the top of the eye test, the eye chart. <laughs> and great. You can ask a question at congressional hearing. Yes, there are leading questions. There are which you can ask sometimes in court, uh, but only on cross or with a witness that you have discla- declared hostile in those jurisdictions. Little adherence to evidence. There's no adherence to evidence. I mean, hearsay is an out-of-court statement offered, uttered and offered to prove the truth of the matter asserted. That's the definition of hearsay. That's all you hear in congressional hearings. Those questions would never be asked in a court of law. So the standard for asking a question in a congressional hearing is, are you alive? Barely. Are you a member of Congress? Can you string together words? that in some generous definition, form a sentence. And it's a pretty generous definition. (laughs) If so, then yes, you can ask that question and you can do what you want, including making an idiot out of yourself for five minutes and it's up to the voters to stop it. But going back to question number one, it's got nothing to do with court and there's very little damage. Thank God that a member of Congress can do in five minutes of asking stupid questions.
1: Well, thank you so much to all our listeners for your questions. I hope that y'all will continue to keep sending them our way.
0: I hope my cynicism didn't (laughs) come through in the answers to any of the questions. I'm fearful that (laughs) it may have.
1: It may have, but you're always honest with us and straight to the point, and we appreciate that.
0: Well, uh, they're great questions, and I get why normal people would ask them, Mm -hmm. but um there's very little normal about uh congressional hearings the questions asked the jurisdiction um so you know between our court system which while not unshakable and has had some rough time periods is wildly more respected than congressional hearings wildly mm-hmm. more And there are rules in court. You may like the rules. You may not like the rules. You may like the referee. You may not like the referee. But the jury gets it right a lot more than the political system gets it right. So great questions. They all deal with topics that I like and don't know a lot about, but know Mm -hmm. something about. So it's a lot better than asking questions about chemistry. (laughs) Ah.
1: That's just right. Well, I hope you all have a great week.
0: Yeah, we hope you do too. Hope everybody has a fantastic July 4th and we will see you uh, next week. God willing, keep your questions coming and uh, hope you and your family have a fantastic July 4th celebration. Happy 4th. Please subscribe, rate, or review this podcast on Apple Podcast or at foxnewspodcast.com. You've been listening to the Trey Gowdy Podcast on the Fox News Podcast Network.